Hello everybody, my name's Darren, I write a blog called The Demon's Voice, it's about movies and shit like that, you can find it at, at demonsvoice.blogspot.com and I'm also on Twitter at Demon's Voice, which you should definitely follow me because why the fuck not? Hi you all, hope you're well, hope you had a good week, mine's been shit as usual. I'm uh, still trying to buy my first property, which is going badly because of some legal fucking mumbo-jumbo, tripping everything up and potentially bullshitting the whole thing. Uh, my solicitor on the bright side, though, has allowed me the opportunity to train to be a solicitor myself by essentially making me do his fucking job for him, it seems. I'm reading through all this legal bullshit that means nothing to me. Uh, but, you know, hopefully it'll get sorted. In the meantime, though, I'm a victim of domestic abuse. How exciting is that? Uh, it's emotional abuse, but because the person lives with me, it's my stepmom, which is incredibly pathetic, I know. Like fucking Cinderella. Um, but because she lives with me, it counts as domestic abuse. Basically, she does the gaslighting thing. Uh, quite literally, in some cases, I'll put my food in the oven, leave. When I come back, you know, to eat it, she's either whacked the oven up so now it's burnt to the crisp or it's been turned off and the food has been ruined because it was turned off mid midway through cooking. And I just think, you know, if you're going to gaslight me, don't be too on the nose about it and literally use, you know, the light in the gas. Um, the other thing she did, I came, I've been avoiding the house entirely, so as soon as I wake up, I leave the house, and I don't come back until it's time to go to bed again, at which point Dad and Karen are, well, that's her name, she's my stepmom, uh, are in bed as well, so I can avoid them. I came back through the night, and she'd thrown my washing basket with my clothes in into my bedroom from the bathroom to try and pick a fight with me that way, and I thought, okay, I'll just, I'll just let it go, I'll leave it, it's fine. Uh, but I thought, how, what is the logistics of this? Does she think I'm now walking naked from my bedroom where I've dropped my clothes in the washing basket to the bathroom where I'm going to have a shower, is that, surely that's not what she wants, and then the next day I came back and she'd ripped my bedroom curtains down as well, and I'd, and hidden them, and it's just, so now I can't even get changed in my bedroom, and I thought like, how desperate is she to see my dick, like, if, if all it takes for an easy life is she gets to see my cock, then I will show her, you know, it is impressive, don't get me wrong, but calm yourself down, because it was late when I got home, and she'd, I'd, I put a towel up to, you know, so I didn't get blinded by the light, I don't know if that's what Bruce Springsteen was singing about curtains, but I am. Um, the next day she ripped the towel down, and um, so I got like into a funk about it, and I went on Google, because I don't like confrontation, and I was trying to Google how to deal with this kind of situation, and I ended up on a website, because I may have escalated it in my brain, called Victim Support, and they had a live chat, and I thought, well, I'm not worthy of this, but maybe they'll point me in the right direction. And I explained everything that's happened since the beginning, and they said, you know, it's, it's emotional abuse, which counts as domestic abuse, and uh, they've started emailing me and checking up and seeing what she's been doing. And uh, they put me onto this other website, which is supposed to teach you how to cope. But it's got a drop-down menu, and you go on the drop-down menu. And I feel like a fraud already. Like, this is ridiculous. Uh, but on the drop-down menu, you have to select what type of abuse you're going through to, uh, you know, to have it point you in the right direction. And the options there were physical abuse, which uh, I'm not a victim of. She has hit me once, but not you know, regularly. Uh so physical abuse, uh, murder, I mean, Jesus Christ, if you've been murdered and you're going on this site, then it must be a good site, uh, modern day slavery was another example, I just thought like, ah, oh, where are the options for when an old lady steals your curtains because she wants to see your dick, this is, this seems a bit out of my league, thankfully the fucking cinemas have opened again now so I can go and risk coronavirus and see some movies out of her way, and, you know, maybe get it and infect the cunt, I'm quite happy with that, more on that later, um, so yes, this is my blog on Tenet, uh, I hope you enjoy it, and if you didn't, but have been affected by the issues raised today, then I'm sure there are some numbers you can call for when an old lady steals your curtains too. So sit back and enjoy. Cheers, bye-bye. When I walked out of Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk back in 2017, I declared that I would die to see his next movie. 
Admittedly, I didn't expect the director to actually hold me to that. It's now 2020, and after several pandemic-related delays, the new Nolan film Tenet has been released at a time in which sitting in a room with a stranger is liable to lead to your immediate fucking death. Although, if you've sat anywhere near me in a cinema of the last few years and dared to so much as fucking breathe too loudly, then you've very much been at risk of death already. On average, I tend to go to the cinema about three times a week, and yet it has now been five entire fucking months since I was able to visit it. Sitting down to watch Tenet was like returning to a church, but better, because although God might not really exist, big explosions, thumping soundtracks, and mind-bending visuals thankfully do. Plus, I am relatively young, pretty healthy, and have at least one older member of my immediate family that I really cannot fucking stand. As I ran up the stairs to the screening room whilst licking up the banisters and all over the door handles, I decided that although I might not be prepared to die to see Christopher Nolan's latest film, I was more than happy to at least risk the passing on of a deadly virus to my fucking bitch of a stepmom. Seeing what Nolan put on screen with Tenet was like having a lecture on rocket science from a stripper as they danced with their tits out, because I had no fucking idea what was going on, and yet, I still had quite a lot of fun watching it unfold. Feel free to flip the stripper analogy to dance with their wang out too, depending on your personal preference if you like. Although, like the film's structure and title, the word tit is a palindrome, and so slightly more on topic. In fact, the film seems so obsessed with this palindromic theme that even some of the stunts appear to adhere to its structure. I have no idea if palindromic is a real word, but I uh, certainly felt authoritative using it. At one point, we see the characters bungee up a building only for them to bungee down again. It's kind of like a palindrome, you see, because a palindrome is a word forwards the same as backwards, if that makes sense. Whereas bungee, you go up, you come down, you get, you know, I mean, I'm waffling, but you get what I'm talking about. Uh, and so they come down a few minutes later. Also, like a bungee cord about midway through the movie, a man six seats away from me decided to have a coughing fit which caused my bowels to drop straight out of my fucking asshole. On its most basic level, Tenet is a Bond film. It is the story of a spy that must save the world from a megalomaniacal supervillain that is hell-bent on destroying the world. But unlike the Bond films, the main character here isn't a problematic imperialist with a difficult to stomach history of rape, misogyny and racism. Or if he is, then I really didn't understand this fucking film at all. Also, unlike a Bond film, there is an overt sci-fi element talent to Tenant in that certain items have been tampered with to go back in time. Not that this film is about time travel, of course, it's more that as we move forward in time, these items move backwards like the attitudes of an old age voter. To say that Nolan is obsessed with time is such an obvious thing to observe that already the bulk of what I've just said feels like a complete and total waste of it. In Dunkirk, he condensed three wildly varying durations into one tensely edited 90-ish minute thriller. With Interstellar, he quite literally made time the primary villain, with certain planets working on their own timescale like a shroom's edge stint in a Las Vegas casino. But perhaps the closest thing in Nolan's filmography to the ideas that we can see on screen in Tenet can be traced all the way back to the first shot of his first proper movie, Memento. There, we see the murder of a man take place in reverse with the bullet firing out of the victim's head and back into the gun that shot it. Perhaps this obsession is an interest in cinema itself, with the editing process being a way to show and contrast the passage of time in a way that almost no other medium can. Or, maybe Nolan is just constantly late for shit and so uses his work to highlight the fluidity of time in order to justify his own lack of punctuality. Either way, this isn't the only trait of his work to find its way into Tenet, with the film superficially sharing quite a lot in common with some of the others in his back catalogue. Like Inception and Interstellar, the emotional hook comes with a character wanting to get back to their child. If Inception was his OHMSS, then Tenet is his You Only Live Twice. 
Also, in the way that Bane mumbled his way through a mask and the music blasted over the dialogue in Interstellar, one of the loudest things coming out of Tenet is the audience's regular complaint about the director's supposed inability to mix his sound correctly. Although, if people visiting the cinema are that particular about catching every line of dialogue, then perhaps they might want to consider shutting the fuck up themselves once in a while. I suppose at this stage there'd be no point in either defending or condemning Nolan's increasing insistence that dialogue might not be the most important part of telling a story whilst working in a predominantly visual fucking medium. Oh. That started out as quite a neutral point before becoming quite loaded at the end there, didn't it? Because personally, I quite admire the way in which he seemingly has people talk only because it'd be weird if they didn't, whilst moving us through the narrative in other more inventive ways. Oh, I guess I am going to defend it after all. Also, when it comes to the mechanics of the plot and why various things are moving backwards through time, I haven't got a fucking clue as to what the characters are waffling on about. Who the fuck cares anyway? I'll figure out all that smart shit out with multiple viewings when I inevitably return to watch the action go boom again. We all understand the structure of this kind of movie well enough to intuitively know roughly where we're up to in the story, and so why not just sit back and enjoy the insane level of that shittery taking place on screen? With the film's characters also telling each other to ignore the details in favour of feeling their way through the various events, it seems obvious that Nolan is more interested in our visceral response to his set pieces than an intellectual one to the film's plot. Although, ignoring the finer details in favour of feeling your way through does admittedly sound like the mantra of a fucking sex offender. At one point, the film's villain asks his girlfriend, did you understand anything you just heard in reference to his evil plot? And to which she responds, no, but it sounded important. Not only is the film littered with meta-references as to why we shouldn't be paying too much attention to the detail, but I'm pretty sure that, did you understand anything you just heard? Followed by, no, but it sounded important, is an actual daily exchange I have with my boss in work. Nolan is essentially making a Fast and Furious film here, in which everything is set up simply as an excuse to just show off another cool piece of action. But rather than risk being criticised for making something hollow and vacuous, I think he's decided to cram in so many ideas and so much exposition and plot that it'd be impossible to take it all in one go, and so eventually you simply stop trying. Christopher Nolan is to plot what a parent is to their teenage delinquent when forcing them to smoke an entire pack of cigarettes found hidden in their bedroom. You want ideas, you hear him shout? Then why not have 50 ideas, you dirty bastard? Come on, choke them all down, you entitled pricks. Although, I am yet to find out how audiences will respond to this movie in general because I have been socially distancing from people since before it became popular, I would be surprised if it found itself well-liked. I suspect that most people will simply be left feeling dumb, and so seek to nitpick whatever contradiction they perceive to have found in the film's internal logic as a way of relieving their cinematically bruised ego. The irony, of course, being that with the film constantly telling us to ignore the details of its plot, the real reason to feel stupid is for having allowed yourself to be made to feel stupid in the first place. What an inception-like Russian doll of idiocy we find ourselves in here. I'm also aware that the subtext of that point is in me massaging my own elitist ego, as a film lover that gets it, over their normies turning up to the cinema to graze in confusion, over their noisy buckets of fucking popcorn. But you know, fuck em. I probably am a better person now that I think about it, and now that I am thinking about it, I've probably got a bigger dick than them too. Fucking idiots. In fact, the real miracle of Tenet is not in whatever bullshit it's yammering on about, but simply in the fact that it was allowed to exist in the first place, because if we're being honest, what in the actual fuck even is it? With over two hours of incomprehensible dialogue and visuals straight out of a David Lynch film, this is a $205 million art house film, and I have no idea how Nolan convinced the studio to allow him to make it. Does he have a blackmail video of the money men filleting a farmyard animal? Because this is an original property with a diverse cast of characters and no real major A-lister beyond the director himself to try and sell it with. 
If he doesn't have footage of some high-up executive sucking off a horse's dick, then I am genuinely at a loss as to how it's happened. I'm glad, obviously, either way, because I fucking loved the experience of seeing this movie, and not just because I was back in the cinema after months away, and it was now illegal for any old prick to sit anywhere near me. Perhaps you could criticise the film for being overly complicated in that by remaining somewhat detached from the events on screen, it's harder to understand the emotional motivation of the characters involved. But then there are a few moments near the end in which we're hit with a couple of revelations that really smashed me in the feels, and placed a few of the characters' relationships into a completely new context. Or perhaps it just felt impactful, because after two hours of emotionless explosions, even the slightest hint of humanity was like a gasp of fresh air in a hotbox full of farts. But at no point was I ever under the impression that the film was anything less than what Nolan had intended it to be, and for that I found myself in constant awe. Perhaps you could accuse me of being a Nolan fanboy, but I just think to drag this film into existence and then present us with some of these images and on such a scale is an incredible achievement. Also, Fuck you for trying to dismiss everything I've just said by calling me a Nolan fanboy, you piece of shit. I was looking up the trivia for the film afterwards, and apparently there's over a third less visual effects shots in this movie than there was in Dunkirk, which itself was made insanely practically, considering its ambition. When we see a massive plane explode on screen in Tenet, it's not because some fucking nerd has made it happen while shitting into their pants because of the long hours spent creating the visuals on their computer, but because Nolan and his crew bought a massive fuck-off plane, and then crashed it into a fucking wall. Where else can you see a plane of that size crash and explode beyond YouTube? And with that, I tend to spend the rest of the day left worrying that maybe my curiosity might have resulted in me being a bad, bad person for watching it and masturbating. But even if you consider this film a complete failure and a total mess, you have to agree that Nolan has made the film that he intended to make, which is an achievement in and of itself. I can't even make a plate of fucking scrambled egg on toast without then trying to convince people that I'd intended to make a traditional local delicacy called crunchy black bread and a sort of goopy fucking omelette. And yet with Tenet, Nolan has managed to outbrain fuck his entire back catalogue as though we're now watching Inception through an interstellar bookcase while suffering from a brain disorder that prevents the creation of new short-term memories. I don't know what the fuck I saw in Tenet, but in a year in which you can apparently destroy the world by fucking a bat and then coughing into a stranger's face, I'm glad that I got the chance to see it. Thanks for listening, motherfuckers, and see you next time.